Are you interested in making your own podcast? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You guys can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And in fact, I'm using Anchor and I love it. If you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, friends. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. Today is Wednesday, December the 18th. This is episode number 859. I can't even believe it. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. So, couple of things going on. First of all, I wanted to let you know that today's podcast is sponsored by my friends at the Teach Them Diligently conference. I don't know if you guys have gotten yourselves familiar with them, but I love speaking for David and Leslie Nunnery at several of their events around the country. And the first one will be February 27th through the 29th in Nashville for Teach Them Diligently. And then I'll be in uh, Rogers, Arkansas in March and I'll be Waco, Texas in April. Anyway, you can find out more at teachthemdiligently.com or Heidi St. John forward slash events. And I have enjoyed meeting so many of you guys last year at Teach Them Diligently, and I'm gonna join them again this year. So mark your calendars, come on out and say hi when I'm in your neck of the woods, and uh, I'd love to see you. If you would like to know where I will be for the rest of the speaking season, check it out at heidistjohn.com forward slash events. And speaking of seasons, I wanna promo the Heidi St. John Conference, Faith That Speaks, which is coming to Lakeland, Texas. You guys are going to be there really soon in February on the 21st through the 22nd. This is an opportunity for you to come out and spend a day and an evening. So we start on Friday night and we spend all day Saturdays from about nine in the morning to 3.30 in the afternoon. And we spend that time uh, digging into God's word, learning how we can get off the bench and onto the battlefield. And you guys, I'm telling you what, you are going to leave encouraged, inspired, and educated. And we're going to teach you how to engage Engage the culture from a position of strength. So that's the Faith That Speaks Conference, February 21st through 22nd in Lakeland, Florida. Early bird registration is happening right now, and we're giving away an awesome free gift, and that is going to be over pretty quick. So check it out, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Scroll down until you see the Faith That Speaks Conference in Lakeland, Florida. You guys have been really great about submitting questions to me also at Mailbox Monday. If you have a question you would like us to consider here at the podcast, just fill out the form at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash Mailbox Monday. I've been thinking about some things lately. You know, Christmas is coming up, but nothing around us is stopping, right? So I felt this way when my first child was born. I remember for me, it was such a monumental thing, right? Jay and I go to the hospital, you know, we're nine and a half months pregnant and we have this beautiful baby girl. And for some reason, I expected the whole world to sort of stop and pay attention. And I remember leaving the hospital and them strapping my car seat into the car, you know, the, 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 they were trying to show us how to do it right and everything. And I'm looking at this little tiny baby in the car seat and looking around and thinking, why is everybody still doing their normal thing? Why aren't y'all stopping? Why aren't y'all paying attention? My whole life has changed 
and everybody's just doing their, their normal thing like nothing ever happened, <laughs> right? Do you guys ever feel that way? And I sort of feel that way right now with what's happening in the world. And it's been challenging for me and a reminder for me that I need to learn to continue to pray boldly. Last week, we saw Boris Johnson uh, get a tremendous victory and a tremendous majority in the UK. This was a very, very important election in the UK. And Boris Johnson won a decisive victory there, which really kind of vindicated his gamble on an early vote. And he's trying to put the country back on track to leave the European Union next month, right? So the voters in the UK said, hello, we want to leave the European Union. Some some of you know that as Brexit. And then the country, uh, the liberals said, oh, no, we're going to block you at every point. So the official exit polls predicted that the prime minister's conservatives were going to win. I think it was like, I don't know, 368 of 650 of the seats in the House of Commons, which is a really big majority, I want to say, in the neighborhood of 86 seats, give or take. And so the opposition was the Labor Party. And I'm telling you what, you guys, they got the, they got the same problem happening over in the UK as we have over here in the United States, which is a very progressive, very liberal wing of, of the parties trying to hijack what's happening in the nation. And so this was a huge victory for, for conservatives, really. If you guys aren't familiar with UK politics, when I talk about Boris Johnson and talking about his party, what we're really talking about is it's the same thing here as it is there. It's just that these are the conservatives, the labor movement, the labor party are the liberals over there. And I think fascinating just to see how many people were praying for this and realizing we got to we got to turn the ship around. We're talking about socialism. We're talking about embracing Marxism and uh, we got to stand up against it. So congratulations to the UK for such a big, decisive win. That was pretty cool. Over here in the US of A and specifically in the BG, which is my my hometown uh, of Battleground, Washington, we have experienced a pretty big loss. And I want to say it's the loss of common sense. <laughs> and so I'm asking you guys to continue just to pray for us. Today is the 18th of December. Lots of things happening. We've got a big meeting tomorrow to talk about what's happening in the culture and what's happening specifically with our children. But I'm going to link back to you. I'm not going to camp out on it today, but I'm going to link back to some articles that I think are very important for you. If you want to know what is happening in education, if you're going, I just don't know if Heidi's telling the truth, or if you're saying, I just don't think it's as bad as Heidi says it is, I'm going to link back to some articles in the show notes for you today so that you can see exactly what I'm talking about. I have never, and I mean never, seen anything like this, such a grab for our children. And again, it sort of takes me back to just going, I, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, drag queens in our story hour, in our story hours, in our libraries, uh, we've had you know, thousands of people come out and say, no, we don't want this. In Battleground, hundreds and hundreds of local parents said, no, we don't want you guys teaching our children that their gender is fluid and that yeah, we're going to call you cisgendered if you just believe that you're born a boy and you actually are a boy. I mean, so many things going on. And so I want to encourage you guys to get involved in what is happening. And the first step to getting involved is educating yourself about what's happening. This is not about people coming out and saying, we, we're not going to love the LGBTQ community. I think we can love them and not lose our minds. All right. We can love people and not walk in darkness. We can love people uh, best by sharing truth with them. And so I want to encourage you 
get educated on what's happening, particularly the background of, and the history of sex ed in your state, in my state, particularly the efforts that have happened here have have resulted in a very, very clear agenda that's being pushed by Planned Parenthood and a lot of other places. And that is part of the reason why I think it's so important that you consider, if you're not already, consider homeschooling your children because they're not even hiding anymore. They're really not. And we need to learn to pray boldly, to act boldly, to be the people that God has called us to be. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 8, we read this, do not be afraid of them. The Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. And when God said that to Joshua, what he's really saying is it's not that they're going to be fighting Joshua. It's they're going to be fighting the Lord of heaven's armies. And I think sometimes we forget that when we stand for righteousness, when we stand as believers to say, no, we are the people of God and we are going to agree with God, that God made us in his image, male and female. And I love the story of Joshua's bold faith from Joshua chapter 10, because we can learn a lot from the prayers of this mighty warrior and so can our kids. So let me set the story up for you because I think it's important for us to have context and sort of understand where this quote came from. See, the king of Jerusalem was worried. He heard that Joshua, who was an Israelite, had captured the very large city of Ai. And on this was on the heels of a complete victory over Jericho. You guys know the story of Jericho. And certainly if you were raised, uh, if you raised your kids on VeggieTales, like I did, (laughs) you know, the story of Jericho, right? And his natural response, of course, the king of Ai was to be afraid of Joshua, especially when he heard that the city of Gibeon had entered into a peaceful alliance with Israel. So now the king's fearful response, you know, he's afraid of, he's afraid of Joshua and with right, with good reason, because he realizes, okay, Joshua's got somebody on his side that I don't. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go ahead and get some backup. So he called five Amorite kings to join with him and attack Gibeon. Now, naturally, the kings accepted, right? Because, hey, it's it's a fight. Let's do it. And particularly a fight against God's people. You guys, we have a very real adversary. It's no joke. I think sometimes we forget that the adversary that we are facing is real and and his name is Satan. And he has always been after the identity of God's people and to see men and women die without ever coming to know that they have a creator who loves them. And so this has been happening since the Garden of Eden. And so naturally these kings, right? Hey, let's fight with God's people. They accept it and they move their troops into place and they prepare for attack. I'm seeing this in my hometown right now. I'm like, oh my word, it's relentless. They're never going to quit. And I got to thinking about Joshua the other day. And I thought about myself. I thought, what would I do? What would you guys do? If you knew that five kings from some of the most feared people groups around were coming to destroy your town, what would you do? I think the chances are pretty good that like the Gibeonites, you'd be begging for help from your allies. And the Bible records that the Gibeonite men were strong warriors, but even a strong warrior is susceptible to fear. I know I am. Are you guys susceptible to fear? Even when you feel like, hey, I got this. So look at their very human response to the situation in Joshua chapter 10, verse six. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at his camp in Gilgal. 
Don't abandon your servants now, they pleaded. Come at once, save us, help us, for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have joined forces to attack us. So now here, the the men and women of God who have seen God do amazing things, they have, they have just been delivered from a battle at Jericho. They saw God uh, uh, drop the walls around the city of Jericho and they're afraid because again, there is a, there is a, a force being leveled against them. And Joshua's response was just what they were hoping for. The Bible records that he gathered his entire army and he set out from Gilgal to Gibeon. You see, the Lord was with Joshua and Joshua trusted the Lord. Notice his bold promise in verse seven, not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. This is what the Lord was saying to Joshua. You guys, I think sometimes we forget whose we are. We forget how to stand in the face of what feels like attack after attack after relentless attack after relentless attack. And God's saying, listen, I'm with you. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? In this case, God tells Joshua, listen, not a single one of these guys is going to be able to stand up to you because I'm right here. And that's powerful, right? But the best part was yet to come as the Lord performed what Joshua could not. God's going to do what Joshua can't do. And I want us to remember that today. I'm preaching to myself. You guys don't even have to listen. I'm just going to talk to myself for a minute. Because I need to remember that when I feel overwhelmed, when I feel discouraged, when I get tired of hate mail and I get tired of people calling me names online, that I am a representative of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if something has to happen, it will not be Heidi St. John. It will be the Lord who performs what I cannot. At this point, the Bible records that God threw the Amorite army into a panic, but he didn't stop there. As the Israelites chased the retreating army, the Lord caused a hailstorm that killed more of their enemies than even their own swords. And this emboldens Joshua. He sees God at work. And after he sees God do this amazing thing, Joshua prays a mighty prayer that's filled with faith in front of all of the Israelites. And God answered Joshua's prayer. So Joshua sees the men are retreating. And he realizes, I'm a, I, can, I can finish them off, but I can't do it while, the, while if the sun goes down, they'll get away. So he boldly stands and he says, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Adelon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty God, men and women. He is not swayed by what's happening around us. He's not afraid. And I love how God boldly answers the bold prayer of Joshua. How boldly are you praying, men and women? If we want our children to learn to believe in the power of prayer, it needs to start with the bold prayers of their parents. We need to pray boldly and let our children see that we trust in the Lord. This last year, I released a book called Prayers for the Battlefield. And if you haven't picked it up, I I would encourage you to do so. I'll link back to it in the show notes today. But that whole book is divided into sections depicting the various types of battles that we will fight over our lifespan. 
And I talk about getting onto the battlefield, the weapons that we need for the battlefield, the fact that our prayers have to be prayers that acknowledge that we are not God, that God is God, and that he can handle it. Whatever we, whatever we need, he can handle it. Our children need to see that our trust is in the Lord. Our trust is in the Lord. And we need to learn to pray boldly. I love that Joshua learned to pray boldly. Joshua's like, all right, Lord, you can do this. Let the sun stand still. Let the moon stand still. Why? So that I can defeat my enemies. You see, he was praying in agreement with what he knew God would want. Men and women begin to pray in agreement with God. Not my will, Father, but yours. And we know that God's heart is for his people and God's heart is for children. And God's heart is that we would walk in right relationship with him and that we would teach our children to do the same. And I'm going to encourage you today as the Lord is encouraging me, pray boldly. We win some and we lose some. I feel like I told you earlier, we've lost some here locally lately. And it's encouraging for me to see other people praying for us as we pray for you. We've got to learn to pray boldly and to expect that God can answer our prayers. And speaking of God answering our prayers, I'm going to take a minute today and just answer a question from a listener in the last couple of minutes that I have left. I'm going to try, if you if you haven't been uh, listening to the podcast for a while, I'm going to try to answer a question on Monday. All of Monday, I'll spend answering your questions and then try to get at least one in on Wednesdays because I think, uh, well, A, they're coming in fast and furious and I can't keep up. I can't keep up with you guys. And B, I just think it's a great opportunity for me to continue to engage with you. So this question came in from, and it's a pretty, a pretty, um, I would say it's a question that I get a lot and I have experienced this, so I thought I'd answer it. Uh, this is coming in from a mom who's trying to adjust to her husband coming home to, from work. She says, hi, Heidi, my husband has had work a work from home job for a while now. And while I recognize the many benefits of this, it's so hard at the same time. And I'm beginning to feel like the cons are outweighing the pros with him always being around. <laughs> I know some of you guys are like, well, that is really snarky. I understand where she's coming from. It's not snarky. It's, it's an adjustment because oftentimes, especially for homeschooling, at least for my kids, when dad first came home from work, we were like, woohoo, every day is Saturday, <laughs> right? And I had to learn to get into a rhythm again. So she's asking, is it appropriate for me to ask my husband to think of my time with the kids like his time at work? So minimal interruptions, making things easier for the other person, like cleaning up after making lunch for yourself or emailing with requests of the other person with things that need to get taken care of instead of walking in and expecting my attention. As I type this, I feel a sense of guilt for complaining as some families would give anything to see more of their husbands and fathers, but I am itching for him to get a position where he has to leave the house in the morning and not return until dinner time. We have tried setting boundaries, but it always reverts to old habits after a week or so. Do you have any ideas for me? So yes, let me let me just give you a couple of ideas. First of all, I am going to agree with you that there are lots and lots of people who would love to be in your situation. And my husband came home from work several years ago, I guess, oh my goodness, several, it's been more than 10. And we had a huge adjustment to make because like I said, every day was Saturday. And even for me, I had a hard time, you know, hey kids, we're going to do laundry now. He had a hard time kind of figuring out how how to balance his work with the kids always wanting to come in and talk to him. And so there's sort of interruptions going all all around. But so I'm going to encourage you two ways. The first way is uh, see your situation as a, as a gift because I really think it is. 
I think it's a gift and a blessing. And then the second thing I would say is really take it to the Lord in prayer. I can give you some practical suggestions that sounds to me like you've tried them all. I know there's some people who are listening who are like, I don't know what to do either. And this thing, and this thing goes both ways, right? I've gotten letters from men who are just like, I came home to work, but my wife won't leave me alone and I'm actually not getting anything done. And so this really comes down to setting boundaries, um, what is your time frame? And the thing that really ended up helping us the most, and of course we change it every single year because every year and sometimes even every quarter when I go back to speaking and that kind of thing, the dynamics change, we have to sort of shift and adjust. But the thing that helped us the most, I think, was determining that we had actual work hours. And so that's what we did. So in our house from about seven in the morning, because we got our kids up early, from seven in the morning to about one in the afternoon, that was Jay's time to work and it was my time to school the kids. And what that meant was that we actually got off work earlier because I would tell my kids, listen, at one o'clock, mama's done. So whether you're done with your homeschool or whether you're not, mama's done. I got to look at dinner. I got to make, I've got to make sure the laundry's done. I might have to go to the grocery store. And I think sometimes we waste time because we we're allowing ourselves to be interrupted by so many things. So I actually wrote a book that might help you called The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Daylight, talking about all manner of different scenarios of trying to homeschool. And maybe you work from home, maybe your husband's home, maybe you're just trying to figure out how to homeschool and get dinner on the table. Maybe you're just trying to figure out how you can be more organized in your life. This is something I have a little bit of experience with. So check it out, The Busy Homeschool Mom's Guide to Daylight. Whether you homeschool or whether you don't, this is gonna be a huge encouragement to you and I will link back to it in the show notes today. Speaking of the show, I am out of time. I wanna thank everybody for listening. As usual, please continue leaving reviews for the podcast over at iTunes. Uh, We've had a couple of, of uh, snarky reviews come in over at Amazon lately. So if you guys haven't left a review for Becoming Mom Strong and it was a blessing to you, we would love it if you would leave reviews for Becoming Mom Strong, Prayers of the Battlefield, Bible Promises for Moms, uh, The Busy Mom's Guide to Romance, any of the books I've written. If you have never left a review, oh my goodness, if they bless you, one way you can bless us is by leaving reviews. Also, don't forget Christmas Card Palooza is happening here. Send your Christmas cards to me at 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. If you can include a year in donation, it would really bless and encourage us as well. And those can be made out to Firmly Planted Family, which is the nonprofit organization. We love you guys. I hope that you will enjoy this Wednesday. And I'm going to come back on Friday with my friend Sheila Gregoire. And we are going to have a no holds barred discussion about sex in uh, in marriage and how beautiful it is. So you guys are not going to want to miss that. That will be an adult conversation. So I'm just letting you know now. I'll warn you again on Friday, but I'm going to warn you now. If I know anything about my friend Sheila, Sheila's going to speak from a position of truth and she is going to speak boldly into your lives in this area. We really want to encourage you to nurture this part of your marriages. Men and women, it's worth it. All right. Have a fantastic Wednesday, everybody. And I'll see you back here on Friday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.